In the end of the previous parsha, we have the story of Esav and his children and his descendants and the places where they settled and so on. And then in the beginning of Parsha's Vayesha, we start speaking about where Yaakov has settled. The Medrash gives a mushal for this and says, a mushal of a melech that had a pearl, it had fallen down into the dust, into the pebbles, and the king needs to go ahead and search now amongst the dust and the pebbles to take this pearl out. When he finally gets to the pearl, he puts all of the dust and the pebbles aside, and now he's dealing only with the pearl. Says the Medrash in a similar way over here, that the, we have Yaakov and Esav, and Esav clearly being compared to the dust and the pebbles and so on and so forth, and the Torah just deals very briefly with them, but then goes ahead and starts, once we find the pearl with Yaakov, starts dealing in details with the story of Yaakov of Inu. The same thing the Medrash says is also true in regards to the ten generations from Adam to Noyach, where the Torah is very brief with those generations, just starts discussing Noyach, and then from Noyach to Lavram, also the same sort of idea. Rashi also brings generally this mushal with some slight changes, as we'll see a little bit later. And the Rebbe asks, seemingly the mushal is not exactly fitting in our case. In the case of the ten generations, from Adam to Noyach and then from Noyach to Lavram, we understand that the Torah wants to briefly go through what happened those ten generations to be able to get to Noyach, then Tavram, and so on. In our case, however, after discussing Yitzchak, we could technically go straight to Yaakov. We don't seemingly have to get involved with the stories of Esav and his descendants. Now, as far as Esav himself is concerned, and especially the things that are related to Yaakov, for example, the brochas that Yitzchak gives to Yaakov instead of Esav and so on, we can at least say that this is like the pearl that's mixed together with the sand, and therefore we need to tell something about them in order to appreciate and to understand what happened with Yaakov. Even the story in the end of Parshas Vayishlach, where Esav is settling in Harseir, we could say that this is also somehow relevant to the story of Yaakov, because once Esav settles in Seir, now all of Eretz Yisrael is reserved for Yaakov Avinu. But the question is, first of all, even in that case, we're only saying it's connected to Yaakov. It's not like Yaakov is mixed with Esau, like the case of the, the pearl in the sand. But even so, why is it relevant all the children and descendants of Esau, all the kings of Edom that are ruling before the Bnei Yisrael all the way until the time of Shaul HaMelech? Some more things we want to understand, says Reb, in the details of the Moshul. Why does the Medrash specify both sun, sand and pebbles? Also, what's the idea of saying that once he finds the pearl, he leaves the sand and the pebbles aside? That should be quite simple and obvious. And now the Rebbe looks at Rashi, who also speaks about this mushal, but has some changes. And the Rebbe asks, why is Rashi changing these things and what is hinted inside of them? And number one, the Rebbe points out is that Rashi also adds that in the sand, he's koivrei bekvare, he actually goes ahead and sifts it through with a sifter. Another thing, says the Rebbe, in the beginning of the Moshal, Rashi says, when he, the pearl falls in, and when he's searching for it, Rashi only mentions sand, not pebbles. At the end of the Moshal, when he's throwing away what he finds after the pebble, Rashi only mentions pebbles, not sand. And finally, why does Rashi use the term mashlich? He throws it away, the, sa- the pebbles, rather than like, like in the Medrash, where he just sort of leaves it aside. The Maharal explains that the reason why Rashi does not bring in the end of the mushal about the sand, only the fact that he's throwing away the pebbles, 
is because this is coming to explain why after the Torah speaks about Yaakov, doesn't deal with Esav anymore, is because these are like the pebbles that are no longer needed and they are thrown away. And therefore they are called pebbles. Because everything that happens with Esav and Esav's children afterwards are not really mixed with Yaakov at all. And therefore it's like a pebble that was never really properly mixed with the pearl as opposed to sand, which properly is mixed. The pearl is really mixed inside of it. But the Rebbe says seemingly, if it's not mixed, if the pearl is not really mixed with those pebbles, why are you even bothering looking amongst the pebbles? But from Rashi's wording, it sounds like when it says that once he finds the pearl, he throws away the pebbles, it sounds like they were mixed together. So the Rebbe says the explanation is as follows. The whole purpose of all the story of Yaakov with the settling is not only about where he's going now in Eretz Yisrael, but as Yaakov says to Esav, Adasher Seira, until I come to my master in Seir, which is going to be the time when Moshiach comes, when it says, And this is really what the marshal of the pearl is speaking about. It's not all speaking about the time of Yaakov himself, Whereas we said, you can't really say that Yaakov is mixed with Esau. Rather, we're speaking about the whole purpose that Yaakov is supposed to be reaching in order to come to that time of Mashiach, Asher Seira. And since it comes through an avoid of dealing with Esau, it's counted as if he's mixed or hidden inside of Esau, as we will soon see. And this is actually why the Torah mentions all of those kings until the time of Shaul, who's the first king amongst the Yidin, he's called Mashiach Hashem, the anointed of Hashem, because if the Yidin would have been Zoycha, that's when it would have been. Says the Rebbe, now we can start understanding the details of the marshal, which speaks about sand and pebbles. Because when we're coming to Lishpetasarasov, to elevate Haresov, to elevate the Klippos, there are generally two ways. We know there are certain aspects of Asaph which could be elevated, like it's going to be lost in Lovoy regarding a number of nations that are going to be transformed to good serving Hashem. But then there is also the part that's completely evil and bad that we need to destroy completely and push it away completely. These are the two ideas of the sand and the pebbles that are hiding over the pearl. Sand is the kind of klippa that's not absolutely bad. We could still have some sort of benefit out of it. Like a klippa, in the simple sense, a klippa is like a shell or a pill that's protecting the fruit. On the other hand, the is the pebbles represent something that's harmful. Not only is it concealing over the good, but it actually is something harmful, could cause damage. So Yaakov is now going to reach his ultimate purpose and his shleimus in the time of Lishpetas Haresov, when as the Pasuk says, Verav the older Esav is going to end up serving the younger. In other words, Yaakov is going to come to his shleimus once he has dealt with the ideas of Esav as we will see now. We know that Esav, his shoyresh, is in the world of Toyu, Chassidus explains, which is higher than the world of Tikkun. And this is really the deeper meaning of Rav and Soyer. He's not only the older one, but he's coming from a higher place. When Yaakov deals with Esav, elevates the sparks inside of him, then he comes to a higher level. The Rebbe says this is famous to the, uh, similar to a famous concept in Chassidus, where when a person is eating, he's eating seemingly things that are lower than himself, from the plant kingdom, from the animal kingdom, but yet they have sparks that are higher than himself, and he's elevating them, and it's bringing him to a higher level. Says the Rebbe, this is also another reason why the Pasuk is speaking about those kings of Edom, before the kings of the Bnei Yisrael, which is also hinting to the idea again that Yaakov is going to come to his greatest level after elevating these kings, which are before Bnei Yisrael, meaning that they're higher in a certain sense. They're coming from the world of Toyu, which is higher than the world of Tikkun. 
And the Rebbe explains the Hira practically to us. The Yidden have come down to Golos to elevate the sparks that are in Gashmi as the things. And through this, by elevating the sparks, the Neshama itself ends up being elevated to a much higher level as well. And the Avoidah is understood based on this Moshal. We have the pearl, which is the spark of Kedusha, that had fallen into the dust, into the sand, and into the pebbles. Which again are two types of Klippah. There are those types of Klippahs that are just covering over. But through Avoidah we can elevate them. That's like the dust, the sand. On the other hand, there's the pebbles which represent the complete Ra, which we cannot find and manage to get the spark out of them. Now once we find the spark, before we can start dealing with it, the first thing is we have to abandon, we have to throw away the sand that was with it. That means we have to show that all of that Gashmias has no independent importance, and the only reason we were dealing with it was only to be able to get the spark, to be able to get that pearl. And therefore it's very relevant and important to speak about throwing away those sand and pebbles, because in order to be able to proper deal with the pearl and elevate it properly, the only way is that if we actually throw away all the rest that's no longer needed outside of the spark, and it's the only way that I could elevate it properly and that it shouldn't drag the person down in his avoida. Only in that way is he going to do his avoida properly. And now we can also understand the Diyukim of Rashi, who tells us the exact Seder avoida. First of all, Rashi starts speaking about, as we said, he just mentioned sand. Because the places we're looking for sparks is only in places that have the potential to be able to find the pearl, to be able to find the spark that we can elevate. Then we have to sift it through, we have to completely separate the good from the bad. Once we find the good, we now need to throw away all of the rest of it. In other words, to make sure that there's none of all of that other thing, of the rest of it left, and anything outside of the spark of the gash of the kedusha, any of the rest of the gashmis is now also part of the ra, the evil that's also now generally called sororis. We ask why does Rashi use the term sororis? Because the pebbles representing that worst klipa is now going to be anything that's outside of that spark. That is, before we found the spark, and the spark was mixed with the sand, the sand was covering it over, so it was not such a bad klipa yet. But now at this point, once we separated it, we need to throw it out completely. And Avaidah Sodom, what this means, this says it practically, that in order to elevate something properly is only when we go with the attitude that the Gashmias on its own has absolutely no importance. And therefore, the moment we find the godly spark, it's like those pebbles that we throw away. Says the Rebbe, this Avodah started mainly with Yaakov Avinu, who's the one that starts the main Hachonah for Matan Torah. He's the one that goes down to Mitzrayim, which is a preparation for Matan Torah. What happened by Matan Torah? At that point, there was a level of Elikus that was being drawn down into this world that's completely, completely higher than the world. The kind of Avodah that would get you to be able to ignore and to throw away the whole world other than the godly spark inside of it. And this is why Rashi brings the marshal specifically regarding Yaakov and not Noyach and Avram. Noyach and Avram are also causing a beater of these sparks of the ten generations that precede them. But not like Yaakov. Now we do need Noyach and Avram because they are going to be the Akdama in order to get to Yaakov's Avoida. But ultimately it's going to be Yaakov's Avoida that does this. And the Rebbe explains. Noyach is the one that causes that the world should have a beater in the sense that the world could be a decent, proper place to live in. Before it was a world full of corruption and now the Abish is promising to Noyach the world is going to continue existing. It's going to last. Avram does something more than that. He brings an Elikus into the world. He teaches everyone about Hashem. But then comes Yaakov who's going to bring the level of Elikus that's completely higher than the world. The one that as a result of that could cause the real bitter when there's nothing left of anything of the world outside of Elikus, throwing away those pebbles, so to speak. 
And the Rebbe says that just like it's in the avoid of each and every one of us, that once we find that godly spark, everything else is thrown out. The same thing is true regarding Klal Yisrael, that the whole idea of Golos was to take out the sparks out of it. Like by Mitzrayim, we say that he didn't left with Rechush Gadol, which is referring to all the sparks that they took out. But the moment they find the spark, the moment they find those pearls, they leave immediately, even though you could say they're no longer enslaved. Why not stay a little bit longer in Mitzrayim? But that's the Seder. Once we find the godly spark, we throw away all of the other klipa completely. The same thing says the Rebbe with the Birurim right now, that as soon as we finish our Avoidah, we will have the Geula immediately taken from the Ad Mamash.